Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here with Dane Lee. Um, today, we're going to get into uh, an old injury that I had. So we've been talking about, you know, uh, longevity in the sport and, you know, investing in yourself kind of thing, all the things you should be doing to get better, to prepare yourself um, and to recover and things like that. Um, you know, injuries aren't the end of the world and we're going to kind of prove that today i guess i'm gonna get asked a bunch of questions so we'll see how this goes and um hopefully it'll help some of you that have been through injuries or when you do get injured if you do get injured then it'll help you kind of get through that to hear a story or of uh, someone that's actually been there so what do you got so the first thing that i want to be able to ask you about is a little bit of backstory on where you were uh powerlifting wise prior to the injury as far as how long had you been doing it, um, an idea of what your total was, uh, even what your specific deadlift numbers were at that time. Because uh, the reason that this came to mind is that you and I have both known a number of people that have had a similar injury, either in this sport or in other sports, and they decide that it's the end of their career. Yeah. And I want people to see that... Um, not only did you recover and rehab from that process, but you continually got better afterward. And it was just diligent work and getting yourself taken care of from a, a team of people. So when you were injured, how long ago was that? And kind of where were you in your lifting career at that point? So at that point, um, I was actually only about a year just over a year into competitive powerlifting. Um, I think it was almost, I think it was like 13 months or something like that from the first time I competed. Mm -hmm. And from like the time I did my first meet, um, you know, because I was coming from already strength training, already lifting yeah. weights and stuff. Um, I only, you know, started powerlifting and focusing on it for about 12 weeks prior to my first meet that I jumped into. Okay. Um, now the first time I ever did any sort of powerlifting meet, it was a local push pull. Um, and I actually did that on a four days notice. Um, <laughs> a buddy of mine, like I, I had still been doing a, a little bit of CrossFit, but I was doing more Olympic lifting. I was, you know, I mixed in the, the strength lifts. I was just kind of strength building. I yeah. guess I would call it. I was doing a little bit of everything. And, um, <clears throat> my buddy's like, Hey, you know, there's this local push pull, like, you know, you got a strong deadlift, your bench isn't too bad. Like he's like, you honestly could probably win it. Well, sure enough, I did go there and I won it mm -hmm. four days later. Um, I think I pulled like five ninety five or something. And I forget what I benched there. I want to say it was like three forty or three fifty at um, you know, a true one ninety eight. I was walking around probably like one ninety five or something like that. Um but, you know, came on to my first meet, uh everything went good, you know, went on to my second. And this was after, I believe it was my third meet that I ended up getting injured. Um, so I'd been in powerlifting for about a year and got through the meet. Everything went well. Felt like I still had a little bit left. And um, this is where I was kind of talking about that a meet was coming up. Um, I think I think it was, I want to say eight weeks later or something like that. And I wanted to do it because, you know, the whole gym was doing it. We had just opened the gym. Um, not long before that. So like the whole gym was doing, it was kind of this huge community thing. So I wanted to do it with everybody. Um, and I ended up injuring myself on an 80% lift. It wasn't anything heavy. It wasn't anything, you know, ridiculous. And, yeah. um, I just felt at that point, like, you know, kind of what's going to stop me. I feel good, you know, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. So, um, and that meet prior to that injury, the one I just came off of, um, I totaled fifteen forty nine and sleeves at one ninety eight, I believe was a total. So, you know that was already about a um, what a hundred and quick math. Uh, I think about one hundred and eighty, hundred and seventy five pound increase on my total over that first year of powerlifting. Mm -hmm. So, and the time range that you just said that's <clears throat> very similar to what we had talked about in the last episode, where it's like it's that twelve to eighteen month where if there aren't certain practices that are being put in place, like that's when you can start to see uh, some of that breakdown happening as you're going through. But more importantly, we talked about the mindset of when the injury happens. And there is that break 
point where someone could say, I just had this occur, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And you decided, well, I had this herniated disc. I want to figure out how do I fix it? Yeah. Um, and so before going any further with like the numbers and how much you came back, because I think that's a really good story in itself. Um, what was the thought process where you said, no, I'm, I'm going to fix this. I'm not going to transition to something else. Like I'm going to figure out how do I take care of this back because I want to continue powerlifting. Yeah. It was, I mean, this was something different than anything else I experienced. So, you know, prior to that injury, the major injuries I had had, um, you know, in football, I tore out every ligament in my ankle, mm-hmm. you know, football again, <laughs> tore out my ACL, you know, um, you know, had Crohn's had a major surgery, you know, had some other bumps and bruises along the way. Um, but when, you know, you herniate a disc, um, and it's your back, mm-hmm. you know, something that is used throughout, you know, all these lifts, it kind of scares you. It scares the shit out of you. Like it, it mm-hmm. really does. And I mean, that's the only way I could describe it is like, at first my mindset was, okay, what the, what the fuck just happened? Like, what mm-hmm. is this? Because I had never really felt that sort of pain before. Yeah. And it, if you, you know, most people have never herniated a disc. Um, when it happened, that pop happened. I was like, okay, that wasn't good. There was no pain at first. It was just like a little bit of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but within about two hours or so when I, you know, I made it home and everything, everything started to tighten up Yeah. to the point where like you almost want to crawl around because it hurts so bad. Yeah. Um, and you're just, everything's locking up, everything's tensing up. Um, so, f- you know, fast forward a few days, everything, I woke up that next day and it was bad, yeah. you know? So honestly, my mindset at first was, okay, this happened. How do we start to fix it? I started to try to get a hold of professionals, mm-hmm. you know, in the world of like PT, Cairo, everything I yeah. got a hold of you, like just started to try to find the help that I know I'm going to need. Yeah. Um, but from my initial mindset, those first, I would say those first, like that first month or two is the hardest because you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Am I going to lift heavy again? And it's just going to, it's going to repeatedly happen. Am I not going to be able to get back to where I was? Um, and when, you know, you take this stuff as serious as I do. Um, I mean, there was times there, I mean, I'm, I don't give a shit to admit it. Like I literally cried because I'm like, am I ever going to be able to lift heavy again in my life? Yeah. Like, is that all done? Am I done being an athlete? And mm-hmm. I wasn't, ready for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, not to be a little bitch, but it's like, it meant that much to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that flip side of it is like, I'm going to fucking find a way to get back to where I was and get better. Um, and I started, I think realizing that that was possible after my first few training sessions. So, mm-hmm. so you make the decision, you're going to figure out a way to, Uh, come back to where you were as an athlete, you start reaching out to people. Um, What was the thought process on this first couple of months as you're doing rehab? Because one of the things that I've watched as a practitioner is that in the first couple of months, there is this not just sense of like helplessness and hopelessness like you were talking about, like, is this ever going to be something I can do again? But um, people just abandon it. They walk away. They're like, Oh, I'm never going to be able to do this again. They've already made the decision mm-hmm. in yeah, the first month. I, th- I think, you know, the difference there is like when I, you know, sat there and asked myself, am I going to be able to do it again? It wasn't a quitting, you know, it wasn't a quitting thought like, okay, I'm just done and I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. It was, I knew that this was not going to be easy. And was it f- like, physically possible to do because mind you, like I didn't know anyone that really herniated discs. You know, I wasn't immersed uh, deeply in the culture to where like, you know, now you find guys like, and I've connected with people that have had every major injury, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've watched them come back or I've heard their story or whatever. Um, So it was one of those things, like when you're starting to research, you just read how bad it all is. And like, you know, that it's a lifelong injury and you're going to have to, you know, this and that, and it does come with some things, but, um, that's when I first started looking up and, and reading more on, you know, all of Stuart McGill's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
finding, you know, his methods and things. And I started utilizing some of that. Um, you know, I knew I need to see the practitioners and try to find what I call a team to put myself back yeah. together. And I think at the time, oh, excuse me. Um, I think at the time I was seeing you maybe two to three times a week. At least twice, yeah. Yeah, I know it was at least twice. And then I was seeing a chiropractor, um, I think, twice a week starting out too. And and if, you know, I found a reliable PT or whatever, I would have thrown it all in there. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I'm paying this all out of pocket. So yep. I was spending hundreds of dollars per week to get myself back to something that doesn't even pay me. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> that's how much it meant to Bear me that in to, mind, folks. To, to get better. So there was, there was really no money cap on it. It was, I'm going to do this. I'm committed to it. So I'm going to get better. Um, so the money thing was, wasn't even a thought. I'm going to, you know, find ways to be able to do what I need to do. Right. And, and it was still in the infancy of the business. So it wasn't like I was making a ton of money or anything like that. Right. So I um, had, you know, paid towards the business, but I didn't, you know, I didn't care. We're going to figure it out. Um, so got the team together, you know, I'm doing my own research. I'm doing all the things I need to do outside of the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing the practitioners. Um, I started my first workout. I believe it was like first full, like getting back to it. Workout was 12 days post injury. Um, I, I might post this video too, or maybe a picture explaining it. I don't know, but I still have the video from like my first day of squats. And, um, you know, I did 135 for two sets of 10. Mm-hmm. That's all I did. Like, you know, of course I did the bar a little bit to make yeah. sure I wasn't going to die. <laughs> um, but I, that was the day of like real movement. I believe I maybe done, um, I think I did a bench day actually like seven days post injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say, again, I didn't just sit on my ass, but like I wasn't, sure of like what all I should be doing. So like when I did my bench day, I put my feet up on blocks. So my back was nice and flat and everything was, you know, fine. Um, and then, you know, 12 days I started my initial, uh, squat session, started doing some accessories, things like that. Um, doing a ton of, of core work, you know, that I could. And, um, you know, at the time, like when you're doing these, even if it's that light of a lift, like you come off that and your back is hurting. Like yeah. you're, you're having shooting pains down your hips. It's going into the hamstrings. Um, think of like the worst back pump you've ever had. And imagine you're feeling that every single day and you could be driving down the road feeling that. So like some of the long drives that mm-hmm. I, I felt like I couldn't even do. I mean, I was constantly fidgeting in my seat riding real weird like almost like sitting on my hip sideways driving because it it was the only way to get comfortable so so that process that you went through and i want to have a chance to talk about the workouts because you said before that you tracked the Mm. workouts and wrote down what you did for how long was that um i actually have it right here uh so i tracked the first 75 days are outright, like everything that I did. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we go all the way. Now, mind you, this happened in um, on March 18th is when I injured myself. And, you know, I tracked my workouts all the way to August 3rd is when I pulled 600 again. So in so. the process of March to August, mm-hmm. at what point in that did you start to see a turning point? Um, I would, recovery. I would say, uh, about five, six weeks in is when things really started. Cause what I had done, um, you know, I don't want to go into every detail cause it'll take forever to explain this, but you know, uh, 12 days in, I, I did my one thirty five for two sets of 10 there, you know, um, at 19 days in, I began deadlifting again. Um, and that was three sets of five at two twenty five. I was able to do a set one set of five at two seventy five. Um, went through some more reps on squats the next week. So twenty one days in, I'm doing three sets of eight at two seventy five. I did one set of four at three fifteen. Thirty two days in, I did three sixty five for three sets of two. So that was kind of like my point. Okay, three sixty five. Three sets of two, mm-hmm. not a lot of tension there, not you know time under tension, anything like that, not a lot of reps, not a lot of grinding. Okay, a pretty fairly easy two. Now we roll into it looked like that was the end of the block, rolling into another block of where 
you know, I come out then and now things start to increase. So I backed up, did my, you know, three sets of eight at 275 again on my squats, started adding in front squats. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit ahead here. Um, to now I'm adding sets at like 44 days. I'm doing four sets of eight at 275. And then I started adding in the duffalo bar to take a little bit of pressure off of everything. And I was doing three sets of six at 327 here, you know. And at 47 days in, I'm back to four sets of 10 at 315-pound deadlifts. So it's like right in that like five, six-week mark yeah. is when you notice those weights kind of jumped up a little bit and the volume jumped up and I was able to get some workouts in. Um, I wouldn't say that was like a, oh my God, I'm cured. Like right. I'm fine. Right. You know, it wasn't anything like that, but it was like a turning point of like, okay, I can get back there. It's going to happen. You yep. know what I mean? It's, it's coming. So, so it was August the goal to do that or is that just the result of doing that everything was just properly? The res- that was the result yeah. of going through everything. Um, it wasn't like there was no timeline, I right. should say. Um, and I think once, you know, I pulled that, I realized, um, you know, I'm going to step on the platform again and mm-hmm. I found a meet, you know, around then and I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm good to go. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that fast forward and if you want to care to hear about the meet, um, I yeah, went to that yeah. meet and I, I did end up, uh, with a PR when I total, I think I totaled 16 something there. Um, but the biggest thing is that I jump on open powerlifting and check it. Um, but the biggest thing is that I did pull um, a PR deadlift. What was it? Uh, da, 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 da. So I PR'd everything. But like I went from – what's my last total there? Yeah. So I went from the 1548.7, so 1549 in sleeves. Um, I think I got in wraps. Yeah, I got in wraps for this one. Uh, went up a weight class to the 220s because I wasn't going to cut post-injury either. Mm-hmm. I was kind of done with that. That last meet, I did cut um, a fair amount of weight. And it, it, not to say that maybe didn't have anything to do with the recovery aspect, you know, and, and got injured. But I, I would feel like, you know, a month later I was recovered enough. But, you know, who knows? But um, yeah, I did come out with a 16, so I had a 110-pound total increase uh, seven months later. So I squatted 562, I benched 424, and I pulled 672. So, so hold on. I'm going to highlight something here that I want people to listen to. Injured at a total of, which is 1549. Yeah. Six to seven months later, post-injury, new PR. Yeah. From doing the work, yep. It was a, it was a, it was almost seven months to the day. It was on uh, ten twenty two, and I injured myself on three eighteen. So, as someone who was on uh, Justin's team helping out with the recovery aspect, um, and like he said, we were seeing him at least you know twice a week, sometimes three times a week, just constantly reassessing. How are you feeling? What are you doing? How are things going? How can I help? Where do I fit in with all of this? Um, I can tell you that he did a shit ton of work on not just <laughs> time in the gym and the self-care, but also the education on our, what, like you said with Stuart McGill, like doing the big three, how can I fit this into it? Is this helping me out? What am I supposed to be getting out of this and how does it translate? Also, um, there was one point I distinctly remember working on you and like your erectors, the quadricep borum on the low back. Um, had gone like massive development. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I asked you about it and you're like, well, I've been doing these, uh, this back extension work and these different progressions on back extension and it's been working out really well. And then I don't remember how many times a week you were doing them, but you were explaining all of it and it just emphasized how much time you had put into looking into the rehab yeah. that you could do for yourself. Not just like, oh, I found this random thing and I've been trying it yeah. out. It's like, no, this is the one that I saw would help me specifically really so, well with what's going on. I remember what I was, what I was doing was, um, so I, I, you know, a lot of people like automatically defer to like to the reverse hyper mm-hmm. and um, I used it differently. So I used the reverse hyper lighter, um, a little bit more controlled and allowed, you know, I still allowed a slight sway, but I didn't allow where it was like pulling my feet 
you know, way underneath me yeah. and like taking that, uh, what happens that that spine starts to kind of spread apart there and everything. Like I didn't allow that really. Mm-hmm. And I allowed a little bit of give, but not a lot more control. And I did those extensions that way. Um, but one of the big things is I started adding in like rubbish extensions. Um, you know, I'd always been doing like GHD yeah, uh, yeah. style extensions, but like what I was doing, for example, even on the GHD is I would take like a barbell and shorten the range of motion a little bit and just come up to, you know, I, when, a lot of people, when they do these, they overextend too far. Yeah. So you just come to like where your body is completely flat. But if you take like a barbell and you snatch grip it or something like that, and you start to do those extensions, it's being able to kind of add more weight and contraction without an over range of motion. Yeah. That's not to say that the range of motion isn't important. So you still need to do it light and get some better range through there. Mm-hmm. But um, being able, and that's kind of the point of like even um, the Rubish extensions with the barbell, you're not extending down as far, you know. And so that helped build it up. Um, more good mornings. I'd always been kind of doing um, a little bit more like stiff leg work and RDLs and things. Mm-hmm. So you know, keeping that stuff in as well. But you know, those little minor accessories that helped kind of build up that that yeah. low lumbar. Um, and then of course, like, I mean, weighted planks out the ass. Like I yeah. did a lot of weighted planks. Um, you know, it's not as much on the rollouts then, um, just because it still felt awkward to roll out. And I would feel sometimes like a little pop down there yeah. and like things just didn't feel right. But I did a lot of, um, a lot of weighted planks. So, all right. So we hit, uh, seven months out. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, just to highlight, like the exercises that we're talking about, the information we're talking about, like we have to say it like, okay, we're not physical therapists. We're not doctors. Yeah. So these aren't given as recommendations, but understand that like there is a lot of power in your hands when it comes to your own recovery and your own rehab. And you need to be responsible for that like yeah. as an athlete or even as a hobbyist, if you're trying to come back from it, um, because there are uh, a number of practitioners who just simply don't understand what it is that you're trying to come back to. And so you need to be an advocate uh, for your own athletics in that regard. So anyway, move, coming back August, um, you come back, you compete, you hit a new total, um, hundred plus PR on the total. And then from there, how long have you been powerlifting since what does the training look like now? And I know that's a really big jump. Yeah, that was, um, so that was four years ago when I, yeah, almost, um, just past four years ago that that happened and, um, that I came out and and hit that new total. Um, so to kind of progress since then, cause I feel like it's worth mentioning too, is that, you know, my next total, let's jump forward to me. So, cause I, I, you know, kind of screwed up myself a little bit after this one. So then back in uh, 2017, this was, I did a meet in the summer in August of 2017 and same thing kind of happened again. So that meet I totaled 1795. So now we've went from 1658 to 1795 in a year, let's call it a, you know, a year and nine months or whatever. So close to two years, whatever. Um, so we've added another, uh, 140 ish pounds to the total. All right. So it's total 1795 come off of that. And a couple months later, same thing happened. Um, I'm still not to this day sure what exactly I injured, Mm -hmm. um, because it was more off the side of my spine, more of like, um, it almost felt like an erector kind of injury. You know what I mean? Like a muscle strain, um, where it felt like someone just like pulled and like snapped my muscle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, felt real weird. And again, on a light deadlift, nothing crazy. Um, I think at, at that point I was trying to do like a, a double overhand hook grip, starting to work on that. Okay. And I think what happened is I just got pulled forward too much, wasn't ready for it or something. All right. Um, you know, and shit happens. But, um, so you know, I have back pain. I I thought I was just going to go away. I thought it was a muscle strain or whatever. I ended up going, I think, three months later to get an MRI because I'm like, all right, this this isn't going away. Right. Like, it's really affecting my lifting. Like, what, what the hell is going on here? So I go um, 
to get you know an MRI and everything, get everything checked. And sure, sure enough, that same disc had um, basically emptied back out. So I guess you'd call it a reherniation okay. of that same disc. Um, which at that at that point, I'm like, hey, <laughs> really, <laughs> we're gonna do this again? So um, at that point, that was another downtime of like is this what it's going to be like every time that I make a good progression? Is this mm-hmm. what we're going to keep going through? You know what I mean? Um, I was pretty, pretty irritated about it. Um, that one took me a while. That one took me about nine months, 10 months until I felt like I was even back to like a decent level. Okay. Um, I was not by any means like back to how strong I was, Um, but you know what? I had learned from the first one. Yep. So I already knew what needed done, you know, that, and mind you, this team that I've had, um, for the most part, it's been the same team this whole time. So like, you know, when I say like, okay, it's back to the Cairo. Well, I'd still been going to the Cairo during this time. You know what I mean? Um, I'd still been coming to you during this time. It's not like I just wait for injuries and come running to you guys. Right. I do my consistent care. Yeah. I do my maintenance care. Um, so, you know, that one took me a bit. I learned some, I learned some new techniques that helped me. So like, um, I actually passed this on to, uh, one of my clients who she had had constant like back issues for a while. I, I think it's like prior injury stuff that's going on with her. I can't, remember exactly right now uh what it was but um you know right now she's kind of on a break from powerlifting but like um what i had her doing is kind of the same thing that i did is i would pull off like two inch blocks Mm -hmm. and then i would do a very slow eccentric back to the block and then pull back up and then do a slow eccentric back to the block so we're learning how to load posterior chain stay in good position you know maintain core tightness and that throughout the whole lift um but still getting some um some pattern work in and being able to still lift safely off the ground or off the blocks and then we move it to the ground we kind of do the same thing um so i feel like that really helps build up those stabilizers helps you learn to be in good position builds a posterior chain obviously so you know so fast forward from that one Unless you want to let me elaborate more on that one i mean you certainly can like one of the things that just popped out on that one was like I think it's important to note is that this these injuries aren't bad technique injuries. Like when someone thinks about hurting their back on mm. a deadlift, they're like, oh, well, you probably had a rounded back or you weren't loaded properly or whatever mm. it might be. Going through is like, no, it's like your technique was sound. Mm. And yeah, you, you can yeah. always get better technique. And yeah. like, there could have been like a minor through. technical flaw, but it's not like, oh, you hurt your back deadlifting and people automatically think of like someone with a completely rounded spine that's right. bent over, like lifting weight they have no business lifting. You know, it, it's nothing like that. These are, this is a common everyday lift that I hurt myself on. And so. for someone who has good technique, you still made a point, you know, for yourself and then also for this other powerlifter to say, hey, we're going to do a variation mm-hmm. that's going to work on the posterior chain, but still emphasize good technique and yeah. good loading. Um, so before people hear the story and think, well, of course you hurt yourself on a deadlift. You probably were doing it wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, lifting too much weight. It's like, no, lifting it correctly, Mm -hmm. but we're still going to take time in the recovery process. You know, what's funny. I I believe the, I believe the deadlift that I hurt myself on, I think there's a video of it and you can see me come off the deadlift, like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have to double check. I think it's the one that – because it was when the repository was in doing a news article on us. That was, oh, okay. That was the day that I had herniated it. I pulled a, um, the 545 up or whatever, and I think that's what's on their video that they have on the article. Like I come off of it. I might even still have it in my phone, but like I come off of it. Nothing. Like nothing happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then like I, it started to like dawn on me like, wait, that that's – well, what happened there? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so – um, but you know, speaking to PTs and stuff, um, you know, I can remember like, uh, PT down the road when I, when I talked to her afterwards and was explaining it, she, she told me too, she's like, you'll probably re-injure your back, um, on something light Yeah. to be honest. She's like, that's usually what we see is like someone has this injury and then they do something very simple, minor reaching down for something yeah. or whatever you're lifting a light weight and that's when you hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting that she ended up being right later. 
But. All right. So that was, uh, remind me on the timeline again, how far back was that? So that was, I believe in about October, November of 2017. Okay. So we're talking about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Happens again. Since then, still moving forward, still deciding, nope, I'm going to stay with powerlifting. Um, I'm going to figure out how to manage this. What does it look like? You said it took you about nine months. Yeah. After that, going yeah. through the recovery and the rehab process again. So I had, yeah, I when my next meet, um, I had came out, so was this 2000, beginning of 2019, February 2019. So that one took me a little bit to come back from, you know, I felt kind of the same thing, like, I think the timeline goes, it was like that next like August, September. So it's August, September of like 2018. So, you know, about nine, 10 months post-injury, I started to feel strong again. Mm-hmm. Felt like I could really ramp things up. Um, and I, so I ended up signing up for a meet in February, 2019. And I came out and that one, like, I think ego just got to me. Okay. Had a fucking great prep. Um, I went in. I wanted to cut weight because I'm like, you know what, motherfuckers? Like, I'm cutting weight and I'm coming back stronger off of an injury. <laughs> Try me, you know. So, <laughs> I ended up, uh, I ended up doing it, and I came down, and um, that was the meet. Like, I didn't sleep. I slept 12 hours over four days leading into the meet. Oh, um, do not recommend. <laughs> but it was, I was a walking zombie heading into that meet. But I still actually, what was funny is I still actually totaled. Um, at 220, I had a hundred and, uh, there was a hundred and something pound meat PR at 220. Um, but I did not like increase my overall total. My total actually went down like 50 pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can attribute that to whatever. Um, and actually what had happened is if we want to get technical, still miss the lift is, um, I got called for depth on my second squat that blew it up pretty well. And just on my third, I got out of position and missed it. So Mm -hmm. it's like I was probably strong enough to match my total that day, but, you know, shit happens. So um, didn't worry about it. Moved on and came back, um, you know, for redemption like seven months after that, eight months after that. And I totaled 1857. So that and that's been my best total now so far. So just quick recap, first injury in relation to this happening, uh, four, say four years ago, four or five. Yeah. It's been, was that 2016? So yeah, four, four and a half years ago, four and a half years ago, first process, six months PR lift for a while. Second one, nine month process, come back, wait PR. Mm-hmm. going into it since then continue to get better continue to refine continue to put on weight on the bar um my point in recapping all of that is the number of times that i've had conversations with people where they say i've herniated a disc i'm done yeah it's simply not true that doesn't mean that this is going to be the case with every single person you know, everyone's going to be different you know depending on what your sport and your age and you know what your background is but it is frustrating to hear this conversation and you just, I understand when people feel helpless and hopeless, like you are scared when it first happens, but understand that like, not only can you come back from it, like you can continue to get better as long as you do the, the work and that work, which, you know, is why I wanted to talk to Justin about it. It's a lot of responsibility on you Mm -hmm. as the, either the patient or the athlete where you have to be, like an advocate for your own athletics. You know, they say that in medicine, like being an advocate for your own health. But in this case, um, like Justin was looking up information on what is the best exercises that I should be doing for this particular thing at this point. The constant assessment as he was going through the lifting process of saying, all right, can I squat 135 and not have pain? Or uh, can I begin to do deadlifts? So what does my technique look like? What does the result feel like as I'm going through? And just being smart. And lo and behold, seven months later, 
you know, you're back on the platform. Yeah. Uh, that is a result of hard work on his part for being an advocate, for doing the education and doing the work that goes along with it and listening to the people that he put on his team and finding good people to put on your team. Like if you have something that you want to come back from, it's simply a matter of finding the right people to help you figure out how to do that. You know, and now that I've been in for a while, like you look at, everyone always looks at like, Okay, pro athletes, guy tears his ACL, comes back and is like, you know, like Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh my God, you know, beast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously, clearly, like that is something great to come back from and still be a top level athlete. Yeah. Um, let's not forget, guy is a genetic freak also. Um, you know, but that's that, you know, that is uh, an achievement itself. But then we forget those, you know, local people or those people you know. You know, how many people I know in powerlifting that have completely fucked themselves up. I mean, and came back and done some crazy shit like mm-hmm. within a year. Um, the human body is amazing at being able to repair itself and be able to come back even stronger. And the um, athletic mind is amazing at yeah. not allowing it. <laughs> yeah. You ha- and you have to have the mindset. I promise you, you're going to be in some dark holes yeah. and that's what makes when you finally get there even better. Like that, the reward from that first herniation to that platform meet that I had, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was like, it's, I can't really describe how that feels to be able to do that. I remember you know, being so. in the gym the day that you pulled 700 yeah. for the deadlift and like, just like everything went kind of silent yeah. in that moment for the people who knew Justin's backstory and like what was yeah. kind of leading up to 700 for the deadlift. Like everyone just stopped and watched that moment happen. And as someone who was on the team helping out with that recovery process, like that was a really big day for us as well. Um, Not because we made that happen, but because like I got to be a part of that journey. And I I think people deserve that. I think they deserve that far more than feeling helpless, you know, when the injury happens. Well, especially, I mean, just coming back from the injury, but then also how long it took. To add, you know, 40 pounds to my lift yeah. because from that, you know, you injure yourself and you're going to have a major setback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you have to keep your mindset right. You have to hold yourself accountable. Um, you know, and a lot of people opt for like surgery right away or they opt for, you know, I need this special formula or something. No, like the only thing I will say that after my second one, mm-hmm. when they did that MRI, I did opt for a, um, a cortisone shot. Mm-hmm. And that was the only time I've ever had a cortisone shot put into me. And yeah. it f- felt fucking amazing. I mean, three days later, I'm like, holy hell, that is great. <laughs> you know? And I see why people can be like, okay, I'm going to get another one when this happens because yeah. it's just going to alleviate everything. No, you do not want to get those all the time. Right. It was kind of a last resort. Okay, like let's see how this heals me. And the doctor told me that. Like, he, She's like, you might have relief for three months. You might have relief forever. You know, you're going to have little times, but like what you're feeling right now, you might not feel that pain unless you completely re-injure yourself again off of just taking it once or you're, you could flare back up within two or three months and be the same. Yeah. You know, so I took the risk and I said, let's do it. You know, um, you know, I know people that have opted for surgeries off of herniations, but they don't realize you don't work out, you're overweight, your diet's trash, you don't do any mobility, you don't take care of your body, but you're going to go pay thousands and thousands of dollars for a surgery when you could literally, you take, I don't know the medical field, let's just call it 10 grand surgery. Why don't you spend 10 grand with practitioners and a good fitness regimen in your food? Yeah. Because I promise you that will give you a lot more lasting effect and probably alleviate other health problems you're going to have if you spend the Absolutely. money there. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think uh, probably get in, what, we could probably get into some questions. Yeah, let's do it. Q&A. Let's do it. Um, try to get through all these. Um, all right. Best warm-ups to alleviate pain in your elbow during bench. Um, so what I've done and I do this before squats and I do it before benching, um, that seems to really help for me is, um, I'll do like a banded snatch, uh, where, so you do the snatch kind of, you put your hands in a snatch grip position, pull the band apart and you bring it up over your head and put it, you know, kind of behind your head. And that extends kind of the bicep tendon and everything else helps, Mm stretch it out a little bit. So this also kind of prepares you to be in a better position, um, 
when I say I do it before squats, because when I go to get on that straight bar, then, you know, that band, it, I can manipulate it. I can't manipulate a steel bar. Right. So that band I can manipulate to get a little bit of function in there, stretch the shoulders out, stretch, help stretch the bicep tendon out. Um, if you just Google that, you'll be able to find it, but that's one of them. Um, I think Chris Duffin actually has on his Kabuki site. Um, I forget the guy that puts up a lot of his information. I'm blanking on his name, but they have a video that's pretty good on that for, I think it's a squat warm up one where they show the snatch. And then they also show, um, where you kind of create a C with your hands on the wall and do kind of a, a wall stretch, um, with your, uh, you create the C with your, your big thumb and, uh, pinky or middle or goddamn <laughs> index finger. <laughs> um, I forget the actual name of the stretch, but it's just basically like a shoulder opener yeah. with a C on it. Um, and you have to find, you know, kind of if it needs to be down, needs to be up and find where you're getting a little bit of pressure, a little bit of stretch through that bicep, but you're not ripping it off. So, um, did the question say, uh, if it was bicep or ten or, um, tricep? Oh, it's, oh, okay. Is it yeah, it's, it's pain in the elbow. So I was just hitting all around. Yeah. Um, because I, just, I don't know if it's front rear, so you know, whatever. About, um, so, you know, you can take the back end of it. Well, I was thinking, like, is it an issue? Because you want to be able to identify a little bit. Is it an issue in the elbow because of, you know, something that is distal or proximal or like the wrist or shoulder? Yeah. Like, is the elbow taking more force during something because something else isn't moving correctly? And like, make sure that you're looking at the wrist, look at the shoulder yeah. uh, in relation to the lift that you're doing. And if you need to do something that helps to stretch or open up the range yeah. of motion for the shoulder so that the elbow can work the way it needs to, or even the wrist too. Like the wrist plays a, a really big part mm-hmm. in the setup with the bench. So you'd want to take a look at that. Um, but then if it's something where you have aggravation, whether it's the bicep or the tricep coming yeah. into it and they're starting to get inflamed, then movement and getting blood flow into that area is one of the best things mm-hmm. that you can do like pre warm up, which I mean, just the yeah. entire day of the warm up. Yeah. but using something like the, um, the band flossing, Yep. where you wrap that area with a band and you go through uh, uh, maybe 30 seconds of a particular movement, whether it's a tricep extension or a curl because you want to mm-hmm. trap blood flow kind of yeah. in that area to help warm it up. That is very helpful for the alleviation of that tension that you're feeling. Still doing like the proper warm-ups, the specific warm-ups that Justin was talking about that are going to kind of isolate and help that area in preparation for it. But if it's that overuse in the sense of the term meaning that uh, it's still just inflamed you know from something you were doing blood flow is your best friend where if you can do something like the band flossing that is more efficient for that kind of thing that works really well some outside care stuff that may help too and again i'm not an expert go see an expert because i am not one um things that have helped for me is getting like you know, uh, scraping done through the tricep, especially yeah. that end, uh, tendon through there. And then, um, uh, dry needling has helped a lot mm-hmm. before. So it's like, you, you know, it, it depends. Like, like you said, where is the pain coming from The when, when you're saying elbow, it can be coming from so many different yeah. ways. I mean, something could be running down from your shoulder. It could be coming up. Like you said, from wrist, like, mm-hmm. um, there could be an issue in the forearm, you know, it's like we, there, there's a lot that goes into that one, but, um, like he said, blood flow, you know, those basic stretches, if it is coming from the bicep from a programming standpoint, maybe move your, um, your bench before your squat. If you're, you know, benching after your squat, that could be a reason why too. So, and then check your, uh, hand position and you know, how you're getting tension in your squat too, cause your hand position might be off, um, where you're actually pulling too much instead of. Um, using your lats and your back to tighten, you might be actually pulling too much with your hands. So, um, let's see, da, 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 da. moving on, da, da, da. uh, accessories on a deload week. Uh, they're asking about like the RP, what the RP should be for, uh, accessories during a deload week. What I always like to say is, um, to keep them a little bit lighter cause it is your deload week for a reason. Um, now, if it's something like a cable movement and you want to push that, not in a sense of being overly hard, but like a lightweight blood flow thing where mm-hmm. you're pushing to a good hard pump where it might be like, okay, if it was 
heavier, I'd consider that like an RP8 because I only have a few reps left or whatever. Yeah. But it's extremely light to where you're getting like 30 reps or something like that. Then that's, you know, that's fine. But most of your accessories should be closer to like a six, six and a half. You know, maybe you can sneak in a seven if you're, um, depending where you're at in your phases and stuff. But for the most part, your accessories should drop with everything else during your deload. Um, this is another accessory question is uh, weight, time under tension, you know, RP. I, I think they're asking, yeah, what to focus on in there. So that's going to depend, again, on individualized programming. Yeah. And for some people, um, I always say push them to an eight or nine on an RP scale. You should be pushing to only having a few reps left on most accessories. Um the time under tension thing, I mean, yeah, you can mix that in for sure, but like you don't want to slow down all of your accessories just to get time under tension and that's your only tool. Again, these are just tools in the toolbox, so utilize them as such. So if one week, um, let's say you're doing uh, – I do this on like leg extensions or, uh, or leg, uh, leg curls. You know, you can do them on extensions too, but um, I've been doing them more on leg curls. We're like, okay, I power up and I go slow eccentric. Mm-hmm. And I power up, go slow eccentric. But then the next week, I just do straight sets. So I'm so, confusing with their. Are they saying what's the best one to focus on? Or yeah, how I think they're. Yeah, I think in? they're asking like what's the best to focus on. Um, and there's not really a clear answer yeah, on yeah. that because it's all again, it depends. Like now, if you just came off of like a heavy deadlift, no, I wouldn't be doing like time under tension, right. slow, eccentric, uh, leg curls. You know what I mean? So it's a good way to snap something. Yeah. I like what you said. They're all, they're just tools in the yeah. toolbox. It's like, what tool do you need at this moment to achieve your goal? It's like, Oh, we need RPE. Okay. We're going to focus on that. It's like, yeah. can we achieve it with time under tension? Yeah. All right. Let's no. mix that in there. And you gotta remember like what level are you at to what kind of muscle fibers do you have? Right. Um, you know, cause that all comes into it too, whether you're more fast twitch dominant or slow twitch dominant. Um, but you know, there, again, like we said, tools in the toolbox, use them as such, but for the most part, you should be pushing your accessories to, uh, an eight or nine and get, getting something out of them. Don't the power lifters who are lazy on their accessories are the weak power lifters. So, uh, da, da, da. let's see. Most important advice going into your first powerlifting meet. Um, Did we have this one before? We I, this we've, one a lot? We've, we've talked about this one in past episodes, so I'm, I'm not going to stay on it for too long. Um, don't cut. That's a big thing. Uh, go into your first meet. Try to hit all your lifts. Don't worry about like you need to blast away PRs on the platform and grind every lift and things like that. Mm-hmm. Learn how the meet goes. Learn how the day goes. Um have fun with it because you don't want to leave your first meet with a better taste in your mouth for powerlifting. You want to have fun. Right. You want to be excited if you hit PRs, good. Um, but le- you know, watch how the day flows. Learn commands. Watch how you're judged. You know because that's going to set the tone for other meets. Hey, if you get called on some stuff, ask them. Hey, what what did I get called on? So you know, yep. one for that next lift. But then for your next meet, like okay. I can't do that because they will call me on that. So, cause some people go in their first meet and they don't re- read the rule book or they don't understand the rules. So you'll see them like hitch their deadlift or something, or you'll see them not pause long enough or they'll beat. Uh, this is common. Uh, I've done it and I think everyone's done it. They beat the rack command on their bench press. So they bench press up and then they just immediately rack the weight and they didn't wait for the rack command. Mm-hmm. So big thing there, you have spotters for a reason. Just press the weight up. They're going to take it and help it in. So <laughs> just wait. I, um, from a recovery standpoint, please, please, if you're going to get worked on, talk to the person who's going to work on you. Um, like, weeks out so you can put a plan together yeah um i would hate because this has happened <laughs> where you put all this work into your first meet and you're really excited and then you say well okay i'm going to get a massage or i'm going to go to i get a you know, physical therapy session whatever it is and you set it up like three days out yeah. yep. because that's the first time that you have a chance to go in and i have been working on people and they say, oh, yeah, by the way, I have a meet. When? This weekend. Oh, shit. Yep. And you have to completely change what you're doing as a practitioner in order to make sure you don't mess that up. And that's not necessarily hard to do, but it does take away from the benefit. And you want to, like Justin said, go into it and have as good of a first experience as you can. So 
make sure from you know the self-care side and the recovery side you're doing your homework on how to schedule things what were some mistakes you made early on in your powerlifting career um let's see mistakes (laughs) looking back i mean i would say some of the bigger ones is um you know, I tried to, you got to remember, like I, I already knew a fair amount about training in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been, you know, been to school, been coaching people for a long time. So I, I knew a fair amount and I studied, you know, different powerlifters kind of like, you know, what their philosophies were. And I checked it, at, you know, against like kind of what I knew or what, you know, research on this has said or whatever, you know, and I kind of made form my own opinions, form my own um, style of programming and things like that. Um, I would say for, for me, some mistakes I made early on, um, it's good and bad to have a coach knowing what I know now for me, it was probably better that I didn't have a coach so I could really put my, what I knew already and what I was learning to work. Yeah. What I know now and what I knew four years ago are two different things. Let's put it that way. Like (laughs) I know a hell of a lot more now than I did then. And, you know, mind you, I had a bunch of education then. So like when you see these people that are just starting out in powerlifting, um, not to say you need a coach, but you need a coach. I watch people waste their first two or three years or just they'll, they won't ever get to where they need to be because they want to be coached by someone. Um, or they pick the wrong coach. They'll go with like an Insta Fame coach or yeah. something that doesn't give them any feedback, doesn't help them learn anything. So then they just, you know, and these are clients that like a lot of my clients now have came from those people and they were two or three years into powerlifting, still making mistakes. I have people that are four years into powerlifting making mistakes that I clean up in my clients within your first three months of powerlifting, yep. four months of powerlifting to get them to understand like this is how you, this is the culture. This mm-hmm. is what you do. This is how you work out. Like, you know, uh, we'll get into that another time because I got I got some stories there. But that's a mistake. I, I would say find um, a coach. Don't expect people just to hand knowledge out to you. But when when they do, accept it. Um, get around people that are much stronger than you. Um, get around people that are smarter than you and just listen. Ask a question yeah. here and there, but mostly just open your ears and listen. Because if you're around those people, usually they're talking about it and you can pick up little things. Yeah, the difference there between having a coach and having mentors, like you should have both yeah. as you're going through the process. Yeah. Um, as far as big mistakes, um, I, I think the the big thing was, you know, as I got stronger, not going back down and dialing in my technique even more. You know, and I, I did it to an extent, but I could have done it even better, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, uh, some diet things, I would say, you know, I've I've learned a little bit more about what diet works best for me when it comes to powerlifting. Um, meat day things, like I've refined my meat day protocols even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, me cutting down... Uh, was a huge mistake in powerlifting, but it's like if you, you know, if I went by the book and I just lifted at my weight class and just, you know, who knows what I could have hit yeah. early on, you know, I, I don't know. So, um, you know, did it take away from me? Maybe did it. I don't, it's hard to say that when you went in and all I did was PR. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never, I never, um, underperformed in a meet ever until I got a lot stronger. And that's, that's typically of how it should happen. Um, because as you get stronger, the game gets harder and the difference between having a good day and a bad day, you know, you can miss one lift or one lift be off that day and it ruin your whole total. You know, when you get up to those weights and you're making those big jumps, just how the game goes. So, uh, you got questions? What do you I got? do. What is the best act of recovery? And that is a very open, <laughs> big question. Um, all of them. Yes. Movement. We'll just keep it really simple. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Whether that is uh, passively induced or actively induced. Is that redundant to say that it's actively induced active recovery? Anyway, um, so for example, anything that is going to increase blood flow is going to help with active recovery. So whether you're talking about riding a bike, going for a walk, going for a run, going for a swim, anything like that, but also doing something like uh, massage, um, 
doing something like uh, muscle stim. Like these are those are forms that you are passively having muscular activation. You're having extra blood flow and all the benefits that come along with that. The thing about active recovery when it involves your own movement is that it also is very uh, calming to the nervous system as well as like a number of other benefits that go along with it. So it's figuring out so that I don't give the answer. Well, it depends. Um, you have to figure out where you are kind of in your recovery state. Like the active recovery that you do after uh, three weeks of comp prep mm-hmm. is very different than off-season training, you know, three weeks, which is very different than the active recovery that you have to do when you're one week out from your actual competition. It's understanding where you are with your overall recovery at that point and what is the thing that you need to pick to bring you back to where you want to be. Again, this is getting really vague. Um, and has the least amount of trauma on the body. So I could tell Justin that one week out from a competition, like, hey, swimming is really good active recovery. And he'd be like, no, there's no way I'm doing that right now because it's going to be too fatiguing because it's not something that I typically do and I compete in a week. Um, But if I said, uh, if you go for a walk of, you know, equivocal amount of time, it'll have a a similar effect. And he could say, well, no, my hips are really hurting. You know, walking's not going to work. It's all about figuring out those variables on, you know, what is quote unquote the best active recovery, you know, for you and where you are in your training. Take take even like the walking too. It's like, you know, I, I try to go on walks like throughout the day if I can or whatever, just get movement around. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I'm not sitting so much, especially if I'm doing like programs or, you know, whatever kind of studying I'm doing. Um, I try to get up, move, you know, I'll do a little bit of mobility here and there. Um, but you know, I kind of went from like the first time I started going on like longer walks, I'm talking like 45 minutes to an hour at a time Yeah. where it was like, it didn't like, it wasn't something that destroyed me or anything, but like, I could feel like, Oh, my hips kind of pumping a little bit. You know what I mean? My legs kind of feel a little off. And when I say walk, I'm not going for a stroll in the park. I am like almost power walking. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm moving. Um, to where like, you know, now I go on them and it's like brisk walk and I'm fine and it's all good. And you know, do it, could do it multiple times a day if I had time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the point is like he said, get, get movement, get blood flow, and then be able to understand you're going to adapt to it, but don't throw it in at the wrong time. You know, you should be implementing these things in the off season. So when you're in prep doing active recovery, you're not destroying your body in recovery. So what's your next one? Do you have your own repro? Uh, yeah, hold on, recovery program that you made? Uh, yes, I do. Um, for those of you that don't know what that is, recovery program is something that I started doing about um, a year and a half ago for the athletes here at Unrivaled Strength, where we look at your training and we figure out you know what are the recovery modalities that you should do and how much it helps you in relation to what you have going on. We we structure it. Um, I think you have that for – I think some of my online people are mm-hmm. on it too, yeah. And it's not it's not always the same on what you do because you have to look at, you know, the person and their schedule and, you know, what sport they're doing and what they have access to. But it's just figuring out how much you can help them with what their goals are and what they have. But, yeah, I have my own. I mean, I would be kind of foolish not to do it. I mean, I do gymnastics and I – uh, weight train, um, not crazy good at any of it by any means, but like any toll on the body is a toll on the body and I want to be able to recover. Um, I do definitely notice the impact on how I'm feeling when I don't follow my own advice. And so I have to make sure that I kind of swallow that bitter pill, um, and be like, no, no, you got to go do your active recovery or the mobility. But no, I, I do have one for myself. No one likes to do this stuff either. Like, no. So I, you know, it's I, my job. And I'm even you know, somebody who says like, it's not most the fun people part. don't like to do recovery work. <laughs> I, I know very few people do. Even if you're like, Oh, this is for the goal. Got to do it. Like still not many people enjoy doing it. So 
Um, but you got, you know, got to do it. Got to get to it. Even for someone as like hard driving is like Justin, the idea of me saying like, Hey, you need to get more sleep. Mm. Most people would love that advice. Mm. They're like, Oh, you're telling me I have to get in like an extra hour and a half of sleep. Mm. Um, and then your body's like, Nope, get up. It's like something that is the exception that you might think sounds like great advice. Like, Hey, I get to sleep more. Um, even that's not easy to do sometimes speaking of the time's about to drop back i think tonight i don't know what i think i got on Lindsay's schedule because mine dropped back like two hours I'm like, <laughs> fuck it's not my optimal schedule it's Lindsay's schedule but my body's on it now i hate it anyway that's besides the point uh, <laughs> did you did you have another um last one uh your podcast said to get massage slash physical therapy how do i find a good person um the podcast also says hire dane i don't know uh, so you should probably do that I <laughs> uh i have a video uh on igtv that talks about this like how to well no it's talking about what you should expect mm-hmm. from a good practitioner um i'm gonna make this in relation to sports massage or sports physical therapy it doesn't have to be someone who does your sport, but they need to really understand an athlete's body mm-hmm. and like what training looks like, especially not just the biomechanics of powerlifting or weightlifting or you know CrossFit or anything like that. But if you have someone who's telling you, you, know, you need to come in three times a week and you're lifting four to five days a week and they're not taking into account what a rehab or recovery schedule like that looks like on your training and not having that conversation with you, um, that's losing a lot of benefit to the point where it could also almost be a detriment. There's, there's a lot of, um, not to cut you off, but there's a lot of practitioners that don't understand what serious athletes do in these lifting sports. They, they really don't, um, you know, and I I think you, until you immerse yourself in it, until they're around it enough, they don't understand it too Mm -hmm. much. Um, you know, like the PT we had here, like smart guy and everything. Um, but like he was learning as he was going in a way, like yeah. obviously as the education to like think critically, but he never really worked with this genre of people right. in these niche groups. So it's like he was kind of using, like, I know he, like I was a guinea pig almost to like some things of like, let's try this and see if it yeah. works. And like, there was constant questions to me of like how we train, how I, how I feel, like how do people normally feel like this and that in until they work with enough people in that world, a lot of them do not understand it at right. all. This isn't like, you know, your average person who just goes to the gym and works out right. you know what i mean so so i mean fortunately he had the mindset where he was asking those questions and he mm-hmm. was trying to learn that so if you find someone that doesn't necessarily understand the sport but they're willing to ask those questions mm-hmm. that's great like yeah. continue to work with them it'll take some time before they're able to be as beneficial as someone who's already kind of figured that yeah. out but you know that's not a, a bad person to go to just it's because still, it's still you know science-based like they still have to you know here comes whatever issue, right? Try this. You know, you still have to run through that scientific process mm-hmm. of like, okay, that worked and it worked for this specific reason. You know, okay, next person did it work. Okay. It worked with them. Good. It's two, two out of two. Maybe the next person doesn't work for it. You know, they still have right. to build up that, that uh, group of people until they kind of hone in on specific issues. So. And unfortunately, a lot of practitioners, they just, they don't have that mindset. Mm-mm. They're kind of set in what they know yeah. and they're not willing to open up to different areas yeah. uh, in order to be able to help someone. They're just like, nope, this is what you're doing. Here you go. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't work. So finding someone who is either well-versed in your sport and your background mm-hmm. or open to, you know, being inquisitive and doing that process of learning, like those yeah. are two major factors. Yeah. Yeah. Same with like, you know, when I go to the Cairo, I don't, I don't think too many other people are walking in there like, yeah, I I got a squat 700, you know, coming up. I got this, you know, there, but they, they have taken the time and it's actually good because that Cairo like is a former powerlifter. Mm -hmm. So he understands it a bit like, but like his team, they're like every 
practitioner I've ever seen there has asked me a lot of questions and yeah, like, to better you understand. know, kind of better understand. And now that I've been going there for a few years, they kind of got it down. Like, okay, they understand like where I'm at in my recovery and where like what I need, what, what they can't touch because this is coming up yep. in my training schedule. If I'm in prep, okay, we can't do this, you know, this close and things like mm-hmm. that. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for today. Uh, keep the questions coming. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. Um, I wanted to say that in the beginning of the podcast, I've been getting a lot of, uh, good feedback, a lot of messages from people that honestly, I didn't even know you guys listen to podcasts. So thank you for that. Um, you know, we're kind of spread out throughout the country, which is nice. Um, some, some big name people that like, I, again, I didn't even know you guys were all paying attention. So, uh, I appreciate it. Thank um, you. Yeah. Dane appreciates it and uh, we're going to keep the thing going and, and hopefully we can keep providing value and feedback to you. Good feedback for you guys. Good uh, education. So um, like I said, look out for the Q and A's. We'll post more, ask more, and we will answer more. All right. That's it. See you. Have a good one.